episode 20 of Find Your Light, the podcast that helps women plus in theater take center stage in lives they love. I am your host, Emily Stamets, and I'm coming at you today with another version or session of the Green Room Live Group Coaching Sessions. Today, we were talking about toxic humility and the two different kinds of humility and how to tell the difference between them and how to move from the toxic version to the useful version. I hope you find this helpful, especially in your quest to stop playing small and step into the largeness and grandness of the life that you were put here to live. Here we go. The live green room group coaching session. Here we go. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the green room. I am your host, Emily Stamets. I am life and leadership coach for Women Plus in Theater and uh, leaders in the arts across the world. And I'm really excited to be here with you today. Let me make sure that I'm in my correct window. Um, I'm simulcasting through Zoom here and also Facebook. So I have to kind of flip back and forth a little bit, but I want to make sure that this is accessible to everybody, regardless of your technological access. Cool. So what we're talking about today is that you keep playing small. Okay. And I'm going to say, I'm just going to like, let this be a blanket statement, but we all play too small all of the time. We just do right for lots of reasons. Um, because we're taught that that's the right way to be. There's, there's a lot going on there. Um, because it's scary to grow and change, right? There's like, there's so many things that we can parse out and figure out. But today I want to talk about one facet of this issue in particular, and then give you some strategies to get through it. But so that you know that you're exactly in the right place and on the right call. Um, what I'm talking about specifically today is that you, oh, that's so loud when that happens. Um, hello, new person. Um, so you you know that you're you know that you're playing small, right? Like you can see it happening. You can see yourself self sabotaging and avoiding things. Um, the self talk that you've got going on is like, I really should like apply for that other job, or I really should you know finally finish writing my script, or I really should reach out to that theater company I want to work with. And you keep not doing it. And you see this happening as a cycle again and again. Um, and what you end up actually doing is like watching Westworld again, been there, done that. Uh, you like redo your website for a 15th time, right? Uh, you wait for other people to notice. Like you're like, oh, if I just like buckle down and work really hard, someone's going to notice that I deserve the promotion or I deserve to like get the new job right? I'll just, I'll just keep working. I'll just work and someone's going to notice it. Uh, which is, that's definitely like research actually says, shows that this is a thing that, um, that women do much more often than men. Men are much more likely people who are raised as, as men, um, in particular are much more likely to advocate for themselves and ask for promotions, things like that. So this is very specifically, um, not specifically cause it definitely affects some men as well. And it definitely does not affect some women. I'm totally generalizing, but it definitely is, uh, more a thing that happens to people on the feminine side of the gender sphere. Okay. All right. So I'm going to talk about the specific, um, strategies that I'm really excited about using that have been working for me lately. You may have noticed that I've been showing up a lot more lately and, and playing a little bit bigger myself. Um, and so these are some of the strategies I'm putting into play 
in my own work that I want to share with you because I think they will be helpful for you as well. Now, these are generalized. Like I said, I'm just going to talk to you about what's working for me. If you want to talk to me specifically about what will work for you in your particular situation and get my individual feedback on that, please, please, please consider applying for private coaching. You can do that at emilystamets.com slash coaching. And all that is, is uh, I think it's like three questions of a little mini application form. And then you schedule a phone call and we talk about it on the phone and see whether or not private coaching is a good fit for you right now. Really simple. Okay. But that lets us like really dig into your particulars and the things that are in your brain that we need to rewrite and move around so that you can really start playing bigger in the way that you want to be playing bigger, okay? All right, so here is this, I'm, I'm debating talking about how this idea came to me and how I decided to talk about this. I should probably just do it. So I was journaling on a topic that I believe I've suggested to everybody before, which was what am I willing to give up in order to get what I want? Or what will I have to give up in order to get what I want. And in on page like two, maybe, of just listing, okay? Because you have to, we have to list many more things than we think we need to, to get to the real truth. Um, this phrase came up for me that was toxic humility. I'm going to have to give up toxic humility in order to get what I want, which in my case is growing a business that is visible um, and helpful and of service to women plus in theater. And I was like, toxic humility, what is that? Like, what is this phrase? And to be honest, I'm still parsing through it and figuring out what it is and kind of like, just it, like it's in my brain. I'm kind of like reeling around on it, but I'm going to share the sort of beginnings of that thought process with you today. So here's the deal. Um, let me just start for anyone who's like beginning with me, if this is your first uh, touch with me, um, that I talk a lot about the ego, right? And the ego not being necessarily like the egocentric, like oh, I'm so great, but the ego as the thing that is trying to keep us really small um, because it's trying to keep us safe. It's totally normal. It's a natural part of our psyche, but the ego is the thing that's like, oh, that thing is new and therefore scary. So we shouldn't do it. So let's go redo our website again, right? Let's go organize our underwear drawer. Um, so the ego is the thing that kind of tries to keep us in the comfortable because we know at least even if the comfortable isn't safe or great or even very comfortable, we at least know, right? It's familiar and we want to stay there because at least we know the pain of this moment and we don't know what's going to happen if we change things. So that's the ego. The opposite of ego, right? The, the sort of antidote to ego is humility, right? Which is a really beautiful thing. Um, but there is this version of it that is toxic. So we're going to talk today about two different kinds of humility. Let's talk about the first one first. This is the harmful one. The one we'll talk about in a second is a useful version of humility. Okay. So the harmful one is what I'm calling toxic humility. Um, and it is toxic because it is like, it, it's like something that has been in your environment since the day you were born that you've sort of like absorbed, okay? It's just like, uh, like pesticides on our food, right? We sort of absorb it just because it's in our environment. But once it's in us, it takes root and it starts to create disease. That's like a super, I wasn't planning on using that analogy, but I guess that's where we are. Um, so it creates a, a bit of a disease, okay? Um, it's very, very ego-based, okay? So it's like, it, it frames itself as humility. Um, but in fact, it is incredibly egocentric and incredible. It's like anti-humility, in fact, because what this version of, of uh, humility says is, um, 
I wrote down examples. I have notes. I love it when I have notes. Uh, it says like, oh, um, I can't do that thing because people won't like it. That person's going to see it and they're going to think less of me. Um, I'm, I can't do that thing. I can't try it because I'm going to fail, right? I don't know enough yet. I need to go back to school and get another degree. Says the woman with five degrees. Okay. Like I get this. I know what this is like. Um, this is the, the type, type of humility that says, don't talk about your accomplishments because people are going to think you're stuck up, right? They think you're full of yourself or don't accomplish too much because people will think that you're like, you think you're better than them. It's toxic, you guys. And it is, it is bad for all of us, right? Because you weren't put here to be small. None of us were. And the entire world benefits when any one of us pushes aside those thoughts, deals with those thoughts, processes them, and then does the big thing anyways. That's how the world gets better is when we do that one by one. Um, so think through for yourself where you see that, that brand of toxic humility, that brand of um, really trying to keep yourself small. Um, you probably see it. I know I see it a lot in myself um, in a lot of ways that I'm always like, why am I doing this? And it's just habit. It's, it's, you know, uh, culture and society and all of these things have asked us to be this way, but being this way is not helpful. It's not useful. Okay. So now let's talk about the type of humility that is useful. Yay. <laughs> this is the humility that they talk about, like in religious texts. Okay. This is the humility of, um, like bowing down before a power that's greater than yourself. Um, this is the humility that says, I wasn't here. I wasn't put here to be small. It says, I am here in service of something greater than myself. Right. This is the humility that allows us to set down the ego and be like, it's okay, ego. It's not about you right now. It's about something bigger. This is the humility from which we do our best work because we have removed any thought of I'm going to fail. They're not going to like me. All of those bubble thoughts, we set those aside and we work from a place of service and, and a place that's bigger than that. Okay. See if there's anything else I want to say about that. Yeah. So a, a um, visual analogy that's really helpful for me is that first brand of humility is it's like having a bubble stuck on your head. It's like having a like your your head is locked in like a um, like a medicine ball. Okay. Um, and this is as far as you can see, right? This is it. I can see this far. Oh, I'm doing this thing. What it? How you know? What is the reaction? this big, these, the people that are this far away from you, what did they think? Or, you know, just my own reflection, what's happening here. And what we want to do with the second brand of humility is like burst that open lovingly, joyfully, and know that there is something greater than just the size of our head that's out there that we're supposed to be doing and impacting. Okay. Now, when I say this, I'm not necessarily saying that all of us need to be like Oprah, right? We don't all have to be on a world stage to be having the size of impact that we're supposed to have. This can be the size of your family. This can be the size of your classroom. It can be the size of your theater company. Um, so it's not like, I'm not saying that like all of us need to be massively like world renowned or world known, but we do need to move beyond just our own identity and our own like this, okay? 
All right. So how do we get there? This is super fun. Here we go. This is where we talk about acting. Okay. So think back. I don't know if anyone, if you've taught acting to beginning actors, you will know what I'm talking about. If you have done a beginning acting class, which most of us probably have, um, then you're going to know what I'm talking about. Okay. When a person starts to do acting uh, and their first couple times on stage, and sometimes their first like hundred times on stage or more, it is very bubble driven, right? It is, especially like the, the students that I was working with were typically between 11 and 19 years old, right? So that is very, very ego time. Um, and it was all about, they're going to laugh at me. How do I look? Um, what are people thinking about me? Am I going to look silly? People like, you know, it's going to hurt. Um, I'm going to embarrass myself. Like it's very small. And what we do with those students, the other thing that we think about a lot in that time, sorry, I'm just like remembering like where your brain is in that moment is you're like, oh, I learned my lines, (laughs) right? Like that's what beginning acting students do, right? They're like, okay, I'm practicing my lines. I know my lines. I'm ready to perform. Let's go. And all they're thinking about this moment is like, not only are they going to like me, am I going to look silly, but am I going to remember my lines, right? I know my lines. I know what the next line is. And it's very like here. Compare that to um, like a Meryl Streep, right? Or an Oprah, um, an Audra McDonald. That their work, work at that level moves so far beyond this head bubble, this ego bubble into impacting other people right? Like Audra McDonald knows her line. Like she knew her lines a year ago. Um, when she shows up, she's not saying her lines. She is working an objective. Okay. So that's the first thing is work an objective. You're not just here to be like, I'm going to sing my song. And I'm saying, using this metaphorically, right? I'm, I'm going to sing my life song. I'm going to say my life monologue. Here I am saying the things, that is equivalent to, I'm going to sit here and do hard work and hope that someone notices and gives me a promotion, right? Versus I'm here to sing my song to make someone feel something, right? I'm, on, I'm, I'm going to do a scene with someone and I'm here, I'm going to say my lines and do my blocking and I'm going to try to make that character do something. That's when our work gets bigger and better is when we are here for a reason, So when you find yourself playing small, when you find yourself hiding, avoiding, procrastinating, um, choose an objective, okay? Because it's not just about like, oh, I need to write my book or I need to, um, you know, whatever. Like, what are all the things I said before? Uh, I need to apply for the promotion. I need to do the things, right? It's really like, I'm going to apply for the promotion. That's actually your tactic, right? The promotion or writing the book or, you know, building the theater company, that's the tactic to get to the objective. Okay. So your objective is to have an impact on other people or other systems or organizations or whatever level you're working on. It's outside of yourself. Okay. Um, so choose an objective. That's especially helpful when you get yourself stuck in this, like, nobody likes me. I'm never going to, like, no one's going to notice me. Well, yeah, because you're doing your work for this, right? But start doing your work with a thought to the impact it will have and with an objective outside yourself and see what happens. Um, The second thing that I think is really helpful, and I talk about this a lot as, um, like, affirmations, right? But start to install a new monologue in your brain. 
And what's coming up for you is they're not going to like me. Um, I shouldn't, I shouldn't accomplish too much because they're going to think I'm full of myself or I can't brag about myself because people aren't going to like me. When you get into that, start to install new lines for yourself. Okay. Some that I wrote down that might be helpful are, um, I'm not here to be small. I wasn't put on this earth to be small, right? I wasn't put on this earth to just be born and die, right? You were here for a reason. Um, I'm here for something bigger. I'm here for something bigger than myself. And also, this is one of my favorites. I've been thinking a lot about duality and how two things can be true at the same time. This, this speaks to that, which is, yes, some people will hate it. <laughs> and I'm going to do it anyway. So you're going to yes and the objection, right? Yes, someone might hate the play that I write, and I'm going to write it anyways. Both of those things can be true, okay? So just like accept the fact that not only like, like anything you do that has any value or impact, someone's not going to like it because there's people out there who have bad taste, right? Um, we can't fix that for them. Um, and also on an even larger level, whatever you do, and this is like maybe harsh, but I think it's so, so like purposeful and um, impactful. Anything you do, the vast majority of human beings on this planet are not even going to know that it exists. Whew. You can let that go, right? You don't have to be loved by anybody because there are, you know, a billion people, a lot of billions. I don't even know how many people are on the earth at this point, but like there's a lot of people out there, millions of people who aren't even going to know that this thing happened. Their lives are going to continue. It's going to be fine, right? Perspective is really valuable. Yes, someone might hate it. And yes, millions of people aren't going to see it. Oh, great. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway and have fun, right? Super empowerful. So empowerful. Yes, that's a new word I just invented. So it's start to install those lines for yourself. Um, perfect. All right. So now I will open the floor to anyone who has um, a comment. I'm going to check on Facebook. And then if you're here on Zoom and you have a question or a dilemma you want to bring to the table or a thought you would like to add, unmute yourself and say hello. And we will take off from there. I see Sarah. I just unmuted myself. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yep. Um, I don't really have a question or a comment specifically, but I was just thinking about in my own life personally, I love what you were saying about um, objectives. And that's, I think, a really helpful thing for me to think about right now where I'm like, what exactly, like in my business, where exactly do I want to refocus to? And uh, what am I trying to what, are, what do I want to try to get effect am I trying to have? Um, but I was wondering if you had any thoughts on like just choosing when you're in that place where you're like, I don't know which way, like just choosing an objective mm -hmm. and going for it and changing that when you need to or versus like trying to figure out the best objective mm. um, or just jumping into it, like making a choice, jumping into it, seeing how it goes and thinking of it as a rehearsal instead of a final performance, I guess. Mm, mm, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, that's interesting for me right now because I'm in a place of, I am a, I'm like a, 
I'm a diver. I'm like a, I think this is going to be a good idea. Let me go full force into it. And like, everyone's going to love it. It's going to be great. Which has led to a lot of things that people didn't love because I didn't take the time to, to like get outside of my own head. Right. Um, and to be like, like what actual impact do I want to have on people by doing this thing and making sure that I have that. So for me, I'm actually in a place of trying to slow down that process a little bit and like deepen that process. Um, so that's where I'm at personally. Um, but as far as like, I mean, when you're, especially with building a business, you're, focus and your mission and everything about your business is going to change several times, period. So I think what's most important is to choose something that feels good and that you feel passionate about that can continue to drive you um, because it's hard, right? And it's going to be hard. But if you are excited about the purpose and you're excited about the objective you pick, then you're willing to push through it. Um, Have you read Playing Big by Tara Moore? I have. Okay. So have you done the inner mentor exercise that she describes in the book? Yeah, I did it. I think I did it twice Mm -hmm. or three times, which the second time I did it, like did not, it was, she says, I think in there, like, if you, if you have a vision that is like super depressing and (laughs) not a positive experience, Mm -hmm. then you, disregard it and go back and do it again um so yeah I've had the two times I did it were both very like I didn't have any moments where I was like aha like that is (laughs) I didn't have any light bulb moments I just was like hmm that's weird (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny um Um, that that's the right now is like my favorite strategy for making decisions when I'm like, there's two great things, which one's better. Um, and I just kind of do that meditation and take that question to my inner mentor. Um, this sounds so hippy dippy, but it works really well for me right now. Um, another thing that is very useful, that is much more analytical brained, Um, is to just write all of the options, like do a huge brainstorming session and come up with a gajillion different objectives you might choose, write them all on like post-its or slips of paper, and then do like a bracket, like a sports bracket with it. Where you're like, if I had, here's two of them. If I had to choose between, between them, which one would I pick? And like, I would rather do this one. Great. That goes in the win pile. And you keep doing that until you, you've paired them all up against each other and you'll end up with like one that wins out against all the others which is kind of a fun thing to do too. Yeah, that sounds fun. And I definitely find like during the the mentor future self meditations, like my analytical brain is trying to like dive in and be like, well, that doesn't make sense. So like, here's where you should be in five years or 10 years. Like, so I don't know if I just need to let that go and try an analytical approach. Um, but I've been trying to like tune into my intuition more, but my analytical part of my brain is so controlling right now that it's like, yeah. Wait. (laughs) I wonder like, are there spaces where you get out of your analytical brain? I'm thinking like, uh, like the bathtub or, um, like dancing or anything where you're sort of out of your brain and more in your body. Um, Nothing that springs to mind, which is interesting because like, I feel like I'm pretty in touch with my body as a fitness 
first instructor, but, but also a lot of that is analytical assessment of my body. (laughs) Right. And because right now the, you know, part of your business is talking about the body and thinking about the body. So of course you're like in an analytical space around your body. Um, it makes a lot of sense. I would would like, (laughs) if you can find a place where you are sort of like, can get out of the, the like analytical brain and into having fun a little bit. And maybe that's just like, using things that are colorful to have this conversation with yourself or, um, I don't know, like Play-Doh or something really silly. Um, and just like see what happens when you're in a more playful, um, or like grounded or body oriented mode uh-huh. and see what happens. Cool. Cool. I'll try that. Yeah. Good question. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. If you want to join the next Green Room session, head over to emilystamets.com slash green room and you will see the entire schedule up there. I am hosting a session. um, Let's see, I'm on vacation right now, but I will be back on Saturday, August something, the 16th or the Friday, the 16th um, of August, 2019. And that will be the next green room session. After that, they're about once a week and you can join in live via video conference, or you can call in, or you can join on my Facebook group and just watch and type in your comments there. I do my best to give everyone as much personal attention as they need during the time that we have on those sessions. So it's a great chance to get a pair of eyes on exactly what you're working on and, you know, fresh perspective and walk away with a couple of strategies. All right. That is what I have for you today. Until next time, enjoy your show. Just your inner wisdom, design your life, live your director's vision, find your